Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.43 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the, what shit, it's the 2nd of May. Oh my God, guys, we're past the first month of the second quarter of this year already. TikTok, brothers, TikTok. Okay, so uh, where are we at? Where are we at? With the, oh, this is episode 583 of Bitcoin. And if you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. And you can do that with the Breeze Wallet or with Fountain App or with Sphinx Chat App and a myriad other Podcasting 2.0 enabled situations that you can find out there. And all you have to do is get one and fill up the wallet that comes, uh, the lightning wallet that comes along with it, and then search for Bitcoin and podcast, and you'll be able to stream me Satoshis and support the show while I support your knowledge as to what the hell's going on today. So what the hell's going on today? Well, El Salvador is in the news again. Well, kinda. Uh, this is Helen Parts out of Cointelegraph. El Salvador Bitcoin wallet shows strong sign of adoption, executive says. El Salvador's government-backed Bitcoin wallet has reached significant success in terms of adoption, according to an executive at the cryptocurrency exchange behind the wallet. The Chivo wallet was launched in conjunction with BTC becoming legal tender in El Salvador on September the 7th, 2021. The official platform allows users to buy and sell Bitcoin, offering cryptocurrency custody and exchange services provided by the Mexican crypto trading platform Bitso. Bitso essentially provides back-end technology so that the government of El Salvador can purchase Bitcoin and ensure that BTC is convertible to the United States dollar. Bitso's chief corporate strategy, or yeah, corporate and regulatory affairs officer, Philippe Vallejo, told Cointelegraph on Friday, quote, Ever since it began working with the government in September, Bitso has continued to provide liquidity to the Chivo wallet, Vallejo said. He added that Bitso started to operate in El Salvador through Chivo and is currently present in the country via that platform only. However, the exchange is active in Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, as well as Colombia. According to Vallejo, Chivo has achieved great success in the seven months after its somewhat bumpy rollout when the wallet faced technical issues and even went offline. Quote, through our work with Chivo Wallet, we've been able to see how a significant part of the population has turned to using the application for safe and easy transactions he stated he referred to a study by the national bureau of economic research which found that 40 percent of those who downloaded the chivo wallet have continued using it after receiving their government incentives he stated quote we believe that this is a relatively strong sign of adoption 
As education regarding cryptocurrency and everyday use cases increase in the region, more users will remain on the application with a deeper understanding of the technology and the opportunities that it creates. Vallejo said that 20% of all Salvadorans continued using the Chivo wallet after spending their free $30 bonus in BTC. This should be viewed as a strong signal of increasing adoption, especially when compared to the adoption of traditional financial services in El Salvador. According to some sources, only 29% of adults in El Salvador had bank accounts as of 2017. The executive also stressed the strength of Chivo's adoption against the backdrop of other crypto exchanges. El Salvador, a country with 6.49 million citizens, has 2.6 million Chivo users, Vallejo said, adding that some major global exchanges like Coinbase had 11.4 million active users in total as of the fourth quarter of 2021. Bitso and Chivo expect to increase the adoption rate by educating people about crypto and blockchain. Quote, the main barrier to cryptocurrency adoption, both in Latin America and globally, is education. As we continue to provide Salvadorans with the information and tools to best understand and utilize the innovative technology, we anticipate increased adoption rates, Vallejo said. He mentioned that Bitso has also been engaged <clears throat> in education efforts in Argentina, Chile, Colombia, Mexico, Peru, and Uruguay. All right, so there's there's two pieces of information that comes down when it comes to that whole education thing. It's not just about the technology, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, ha you know, honestly, that's only probably one quarter of the battle. Okay, it's not it's not how to use a wallet. It's why you want to use this stuff. It's why, not how. How is easy. Why is the bitch, okay? And so, you know, here's, here's the why. And so we, we've, got two, we've got two prongs of education that needs to go on, and they need to go on damn near simultaneously. But the waiting on why you use Bitcoin is, I think, a heftier, I think that's a heavier load to bear than how okay we know how i mean we, there is education plethora of education about how and over the last couple you know few years there's been more and more education as to the why the continuously increasing m2 money supply the printing of dollars without you know with abandon i mean it's just it, it it's eye-watering what we're what we're seeing going on fiat everything i mean it's like how many like you know bombed out you know empty vacated strip malls in the united states do you see i mean it's it's like it's bad architecture it's terrible food it's printing money without any kind of you know knowledge as to the consequences by people who supposedly know better that's why you use bitcoin okay how i think that's actually the easy part the bitch is getting people to understand why this system is so screwed up. And as I said last week, every synthetic system on the face of the earth is well and truly fucked. And that means everything. Food, banking, financing, money, government, media, you name it, dude. You name it. It just goes on and on and on. So staying in Latin America, <clears throat> we move to Brazil. How Bitcoin fixes the impact of illegal gold mining in the Amazon. 
And this is written by Gius Buck from Bitcoin Magazine. Puerto Malandando. I know I pronounced that wrong. In Peru's Madre de Dios province feels like a frontier town. Dusty streets, ramshackle buildings, new construction, and the hustle and bustle of people who want to make it. Tourists are bussed through the town to the many ecotourism companies that bring people from all over the world to experience the Amazon. Puerto Maldonado is perched on the bank of the Tambopata River, a tributary to the Amazon. The Tambopata River <coughs> received some fame in ecotourism circles when the clay-licking macaws were featured on the cover of the January 1994 National Geographic issue. The industry has boomed ever since. Typically, tourists are quickly moved to boats on the Tambopata and make their way to private lodges for the ecotourism operations. Some of these are partnerships with local indigenous groups, while others are outright owners of private land on the banks of the river. Walking through the streets of Puerto Maldonado, you'll see streets that have a frontier feel, and you'll find lots of gold buyers and associated businesses. The gold trade is flourishing, and it is all of the very worst origin. This is not the gold trade of mining companies listed on the stock exchange. This is not the gold trade of private responsible companies. Presumably, this is not Peter Schiff's gold trade. This is the informal and illegal gold trade. <clears throat> this is the trade that responds to price. This is the trade that abuses the destitute and empowers criminal syndicates and organizations. This is the trade of the underworld. This town of less than 100,000 inhabitants is largely a story of two opposing worlds. Ecotourism depends on a healthy ecosystem and the gold trade, which completely obliterates the forest. Interestingly, the boom in ecotourism led to increased uh, protection upstream from Puerto Maldando through ecotourism lodges setting aside land on private reserves and running concessions on indigenous land. This has created a buffer zone between the Tambopata National Reserve and the Buhaha Sinone National Park. I know I screwed that one up. I've been visiting this part of the Amazon every year for over a decade, and the changes are apparent in the increase of wildlife sightings along the way. To get deep into the forest, one needs to continue upstream about six hours from Puerto Maldando. There is a government checkpoint where the Malinkoski River flows into the Tambo Pata. Jesus, I can't do I can't do it. This fork in the road speaks to the two very different realities in this part of the Amazon. Following the Tambo Pata River from the Malinoski checkpoint allows you to experience some of the most pristine and dynamic parts of the Amazon basin. You enter one of the most biologically diverse places on the planet. The diversity speaks for itself. The plant diversity is so intense that it can be hard to comprehend. The dynamicism of the river is a wonder. At one side, it is destructive as it eats away one bank of the river where ancient trees are felled with the decay of the river's edge into the fast-moving water. The other bank is built up where the flow slows with silt and sand transported from nearby from the nearby Andes Mountains. The silt brought down from the Andes also means that these tributaries to the Amazon have brought gold dust down from the mountains. The Puno Highlands can be seen from this part of the Amazon, and on a clear day, the snow-capped peaks contrast with the green tapestry of the forest. It's truly breathtaking landscape and a sensory experience. As the new banks are built up, life immediately colonizes. 
the ecological succession starts with grasses and small fast-growing plants followed by lightwood tree species with time diversity increases and as you travel up river you constantly see forest at various stages of succession on one bank and old diverse forest on the other the dynamicism is obvious the river will braid as islands are formed and oxbow lakes are created as the river changes course the lakes survive until they turn to swamps and then back to forest this dynamism means that there are various habitats that compound the diversity found Tourists come to experience the depths of nature of the lungs of the earth. They come to see the various species of macaws and parrots that congregate to eat clay at the clay licks. They hope to spot a jaguar and see a harpy eagle. They are often shocked to hear the red howler monkeys. They are in awe of the agility of spider monkeys. They are paralyzed in fear when they have a group of 40 white-lipped peccaries race past them while stuck in thigh-high mud. It's not for everyone, but visiting this part of the Amazon is special. These experiences, as well as the ecological functioning of the forest, depend on a healthy, pristine forest where the flow of the river does its thing. But the past flow of the river has ensured that a great swath of this forest is growing in silt that contains gold dust. If you take the other fork in the road at the Malinowski checkpoint, a very different reality awaits you. If you follow the Malinowski River, you eventually arrive at the informal and illegal mining operations that have devastated this part of the Amazon. The road that connects the Pacific and the Atlantic and connects Peru to Brazil via the Amazon Sur runs parallel to the Malinowski. It is along this highway that miners originally started their operations. Those operations then expanded southward towards the Malinowski River. This is not the only area of devastation. A quick Google Maps or Google Earth search of the Interoceana Sur near the Malinowski, and you will be able to see the results of the gold mining for yourself. Remember, that photo was taken in the past. It is worse now. It is hard to exaggerate the hellscape that is produced. Forest to inert dirt. It is the complete annihilation of the forest. It is the complete destruction of the possibility of a forest. It is turning pristine forest into pools of heavy metal contaminated water and dunes of sand and silt. There is no possibility for life. Oddly, perhaps, the satellite images reveal beauty in the multicolored pools among sand that is left behind. Even complete destruction can have its beauty. Mercury is used as an amalgamate for the gold dust. When it rains, some of the mercury makes its way into the rivers where it bioaccumulates and then biomagnifies up the food chain. Estimates are over 3,000 tons of mercury, Jesus, have made its way into the rivers of the Peruvian Amazon in the last two decades. This 2013 study has shown that 95% of people in rural, most indi mostly indigenous communities in Madre de Dios, had elevated levels of mercury above what is considered healthy. The dependence on fishing is the likely cause, with studies showing most fish species will have elevated mercury levels. Even in the city of Puerto Maldando, three out of four citizens show elevated mercury levels, with many triple the recommended upper limit. Heavy metal poisoning is not the only human toll of the illegal gold trade. The gold fields are ripe with sex trafficking, child rape, and the exploitation of the rural poor. 
For more details on both the environmental cost and human cost, it is worth reading Thomas Munita's piece in the New York Times entitled Peru Scrambles to Drive Out Illegal Gold Mining and Save Precious Land. So how does Bitcoin fix this? Illegal gold is responsive to price. Any erosion of the monetary premium of gold will have an immediate effect on the destruction of the Amazon. If the price of gold rises, the destruction intensifies. If the price of gold decreases because Bitcoin is consuming the monetary premium of gold due to investors recognizing it as an improved money and store of value, then the illegal gold miners decrease their operations. These operators do not produce gold at a loss. Peru's government has shown itself incapable or more accurately unwilling to solve this problem. Fortunately, for the first time ever, there's a market solution to the illegal gold mining problem, and that solution is Bitcoin. Again, Gillies Buck writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. Now, there was a lot of ecological talk. There's a lot of talk about forests. There's talk about soil. There's talk about biodiversity, ecotourism. What do you think is going on here? I'll tell you what I think is going on here. Of course, I will tell you what I think is going on here. I think Bitcoin is attracting almost every single person under the sun who wants to do the right thing, who does appreciate beauty. Like, you know, I'm waiting for Wrath of Non. And if you don't follow Wrath of Non on Twitter, you should. He's mostly concerned with urban development and uh, uh, architecture. And he's one of the first people that will tell you just how screwed up our architecture in the West is in modern times and how crappy it all looks. Now, I'm waiting for him to get into Bitcoin because Bitcoin will fix architecture. People will not want to build shit that falls down in 50 years. There's people that are like, like this guy who's obviously deeply concerned with what's going on in ecology. I mean, honestly, how many, how many people on Bitcoin Twitter or actually that you know in Bitcoin that are becoming interested in owning land, starting ranches, becoming interested in animal and plant husbandry. There's a, I mean, there's a shit ton that I know. Almost every single person that never, like that I've followed that's an OG Bitcoiner, almost, okay, I'm gonna say 50%, let's be conservative here. Half of all the people that I've been following since 2015 have over the last year, two years, become increasingly interested in agriculture. This guy is, in, is, is clearly interested in ecologies. He's not just bashing gold for the sake of bashing gold because he wants to throw it under the bus so that Bitcoin can run. He's literally telling us about life and diversity and soil. And I mean, and I talk about soil at length. You want to engage me in a four-hour discussion on soil? I'm ready for it, pal. I'm ready to go. Bitcoin fixes a lot of shit. But before it can fix anything outside, it fixes a lot. It has to fix and does fix a lot of stuff on the inside. And I'm talking about the inside of our brains. How do we think about beauty? How do we think about the future? What, what do we, how do we think about expressing what we think is right and good in the world and no longer fearing the pieces of shit that will laugh at us and point at us and make fun of us and do all the things that we've been subject to for years. It's almost like we don't care anymore. We will write about Bitcoin in the context of soil. We will write about Bitcoin in the context of architecture. We will write about Bitcoin in the context of meat and nutrition and soil and farming and you name it. It doesn't matter. 
when we say fix the money, fix the world, we're not fucking around here. Now, let's move on to Binance, who apparently is, well, they're doing the bidding of all governments. Binance blocks crypto accounts of relatives tied to the Russian government. Now they're going after, you just happen to be unlucky enough to be related to somebody in the Russian government. Well, Binance hates you. And Helen Parts tells us how, Cointelegraph, Binance has shut down several accounts tied to relatives of senior Kremlin officials over the past two months since Russia began military action in Ukraine. According to the report from Bloomberg, the affected persons included, and a whole bunch of names here that there's no freaking chance I have, I can even come close to pronouncing, but we have the daughter of Russian President Vladimir Putin's spokesperson, and we have the stepdaughter of foreign ministry, uh, the foreign minister guy, Binance said it has also blocked the son of Konstantin Malaev, the a Russian oligarch who was previously charged with violating sanctions from the United States. Quote, proud to be a part, part of the team that makes a real difference. Binance's newly appointed global head of sanctions. Global head of sanctions. Binance's newly appointed global head of sanctions. Is that sinking in yet? We got a, a crypto exchange and they've, uh, they now have a senior executive office of sanctions. His name is, or her name is Chagri Poiraz, whatever wrote on his LinkedIn pages for Binance's latest measures, proud to and, and he wrote proud to be part of this team that makes a real difference. Binance dude is not your friend. Get, if you've got coins on Binance, it, as with any exchange, get them off. But if you if you're working with Binance and you need an exchange, go find somebody else and go do it now. Fuck these people. Fuck them dead. Poyaraz said that Binance blocked Peskova on March the 3rd. When she tried to use the exchange through a third-party brokerage, she was then sanctioned by the United States Treasury Department on March the 11th as part of sanctions against Kremlin elites, leaders, oligarchs, and family for enabling Putin's war against Ukraine. Peskova subsequently expressed outrage about the Western sanctions, stating that such actions were totally unfair and unfounded. Quote, I was really surprised because it's weird introducing sanctions on someone who is 24 years old and has nothing to do with the situation, she said. Peskova's last Instagram post from March the 12th reads one word, peace. According to Poiraz, Binance continues to monitor its platform for people who are associated and sanctioned uh, by the United States who may be using its services. Oh, heaven forfend. Quote, what's different is that our compliance screen operations are proactive, aiming to detect and deter financial crime risk before regulatory or legal action towards these individuals or entities occurs. On April the 21st, Binance adopted a set of restrictions for Russian nationals or residents of Russia, limiting trading accounts holding more than 10,000 euros and 10,000 or $10,800. Binance CEO Shengpeng Zhao previously said that Binance will comply with sanctions, but will not unilaterally freeze millions of innocent users' accounts due to Western sanctions against Russia. Apart from reinforcing Binance's eagerness to comply with sanctions, oh, govern me harder, daddy, 
The latest report also suggests that family members of major Russian officials are very much tied to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. This comes despite the Bank of Russia's hostility to Bitcoin and unwillingness to welcome crypto investment in the country. It's also worth noting that some Russian officials, as well as their spouses and children, are banned from investing in crypto at all in accordance with Russia's own laws. Okay, well, if they're your own laws, you know, I'm not saying that that's okay because it's still stupid, but hey, that's their business. However, coming back here, I gotta read this one more frickin' time. Proud to be part of this team that makes a real difference. Binance's newly appointed global head of sanctions, Chagri Poiraz, wrote on his LinkedIn page on Binance's latest measures. Newly appointed global head of sanctions. Just somebody. Oh my God. Okay. U.S. Labor Department has grave concerns about Fidelity's plan for Bitcoin and 401k retirement plans, the Wall Street Journal reports. Of course they do. Of course, Sam Reynolds has it from Coindesk. Fidelity Investments plan to allow for the inclusion of Bitcoin in its operated 401k accounts is facing headwinds from the U.S. Labor Department, which regulates company-sponsored retirement plans, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. Quote, we have grave concerns with what Fidelity has done. Ali Kwar, acting assistant secretary of the Employee Benefits Security Administration, told the Wall Street Journal. Kwar highlighted the speculative nature of cryptocurrency and the hype around the fear of missing out as reasons his department is concerned about the move. Fidelity announced earlier this week that it plans to offer Bitcoin as an investment option for its 401k managed accounts. The financial giant manages retirement accounts for 23,000 companies in the United States. Fidelity caps Bitcoin holdings at 20% of the account's value. Quar has said that crypto has intriguing use cases but needs maturing before it's suitable to be placed into a retirement savings account. Quote, for the average American, the need for retirement savings in their old age is significant. Yeah, because you've destroyed all the money, you complete ass. We are not talking about millionaires and billionaires that have a ton of other assets to draw down from, end quote. Fidelity said that its Bitcoin offering represents a continued commitment to evolving and broadening the digital assets offerings amidst steadily growing demand for digital assets across the investment sector. So we got the Department of Labor who's hyperventilating alongside of the IMF and the World Economic Forum about somebody's adoption of Bitcoin. If it's just me that's buying Bitcoin, they clearly don't give a shit. But when El Salvador and, God forbid, Fidelity Investment does it, well, that's big enough to raise some eyebrows. And when my Department of Labor sides with the IMF and the World Economic Forum, hackles on the back of my neck, raise up. Because I don't trust any of these people. And they do not have your best interest in mind. Moving on. Speaking of people who don't have your best interest in mind, like literally at all, Solana has suffered its seventh outage in 2022 as bots invade the network. So Solana as a network has gone down seven times in a total of four full months. That's a little bit over a quarter of the year and you're, you have seven outages. Have fun staying poor, bitches. 
This is the Lana Network suffered a seven hour outage overnight between Saturday and Sunday due to a large number of transactions from the non-fungible token minting bots. A record breaking 4 million transactions or 100 gigabits of data per second congested the network causing validators to be knocked out of consensus resulting in Solana going dark at roughly 8 p.m. UTC on Saturday. It wasn't until seven hours later on Sunday at 3 a.m. UTC that validators were able to successfully restart the main network. The bots hoarded a popular application used by Solana NFT projects to launch collections called Candy Machine. In a Twitter post by Metaplex, the company confirmed that traffic from bots on their app was partially to blame for the network crash. Metaplex shared that it would be implementing a 0.01 Solana or 89 cent at the time of writing charge on wallets that attempted to complete an invalid transaction, which the firm said is typically done by bots that are blindingly trying to mint or sorry, blindly trying to mint. The outage caused the price of SOL, the blockchain's native token, to crash nearly 7% to $84, although trading since has seen prices recover to just over $89 because people will never learn their fucking lesson. The most recent outage marks the seventh time this year that Solana has suffered outages according to its own status reporting. Between January 6th and 12th, 2022, the network was plagued with issues causing partial outages between 8 and 18 hours. Solana said high compute transactions caused a reduction in network capacity to several thousand transactions per second, much lower than the advertised 50,000 TPS. Later in January, over 29 hours of downtime was recorded between the 21st and 22nd of the month, with excessive duplicate transactions again causing network congestion and outages on the blockchain. In September of 2021, Solana was hit with a major outage with the network offline for over 17 hours. Solana attributed that outage to a distributed denial of service attack on its initial decentralized exchange offering with bots spamming the network with 40,000 transactions per second. Jesus. Industry observers commented on what has been often touted as an Ethereum killer and a pseudo Theos on Twitter says at this point, Solana should start posting business hours. Oh, burn. Solana was the second network to strain under notable transaction volume related to NFTs over the weekend. The Ethereum transaction cost surged to an average of over $450 due to a release of 55,000 NFTs by Yuga Labs, with some users paying up to five Ethereum or $14,000 in gas fees for transactions and much more to mint one of the NFTs. Stay as far away as you can from this shit because it will kill you. It will absolutely destroy you. I'm serious, man. This Solana shit is, uh, is you just really need to stay as far away as you can. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities oil down or West Texas intermediate is down 3.65% to just over hundred dollars a barrel. Brent North sea is down to three and a third point to $103 and 51 cents. Natural gas, however, uh, is doing well, uh, 2.69% to the upside, $7.43 per thousand gasoline down one and a half to $3.39. 
Uh, Peter Schiff not having a good day. Gold down 2.8% to $1,858. I'm going to pause there just to you know say that I feel Peter Schiff's pain when he talks about price manipulation. I know nobody wants to talk about the fact that you know Bitcoin's price is possibly being manipulated. I believe it is. And I believe it can be done so through the instruments of five, count them five, United States-based futures ETFs, derivative products that are not based on buying the actual underlying product, but instead gambling in a casino on fucking price. That's how it's done. And I believe that Peter Schiff was, is probably the one person on this planet that if we were to really stop giving him some shit, and listen to his concerns about price manipulation in any asset that he should be probably listened to. I'm just saying, guys, I'm just saying. Silver, likewise, down 3.6%, $22.25. Platinum is down two and a half. Copper's down three and three quarters. And palladium getting hammered, dude, five and a half percent to the downside. Uh, agricultural futures are slightly mixed. Biggest loser today is coffee, 2.61% to the downside. Biggest winner is chocolate, 1.4% to the upside. And let's see, Dow up a quarter of a point. S&P up a quarter of a point. Uh, NASDAQ is up three quarters of a point. No, no, sorry, two thirds of a point. And S&P mini is up one half. Now, real money, obviously having some struggles today. $38,953 after it's recovered from a series of really fast uh, uh, liquidated longs that occurred earlier this morning while I was putting the show together. We went down to something like 37000 for like half a second. And that's what I'm saying. I am not the only person that believes that that these futures are, be, are being used to manipulate the price while people uh, that we don't really like in legacy finance are, in my opinion, I think they're scrambling to get into a position to own Bitcoin, not on a futures price. They're using the futures to depress the price so that they can buy spot over the counter so that they can have their exposure to the actual asset of Bitcoin and then they'll let it run. But see, that sucks. I, then they'll let it run. Oh, thank God. No, not oh, thank God. These people are, are evil. And like I said, every synthetic system on the face of the planet is well and truly fucked. And this is one of those systems. This is a subsystem of the legacy financial markets where we bet on asset prices in a casino rather than having a true open market that says, I want to actually physically possess that asset, so I'm going to go buy it. And that's the signal that the market listens to as to how to set the price. No, 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 we are no longer there. We have commodities prices on everything and it's all synthetic. Nobody takes physical delivery of crude oil. And yet I just read you all the information about flammable liquids. Nobody takes possession of a thousand cubic feet of natural gas, except, you know, well, the people that are actually going to refine it the people that are actually going to do something with it, but as a retail trader that can, that I can, if I want to exercise an option to buy oil, I'm never going to take possession of 55 gallon drums of West Texas intermediate crude. So what am I doing? I'm contributing nothing to the market except false price signal. 
And that's what's going on with gold and silver and all the commodities. And now Bitcoin joins that fray. Now there's a scene at the very end of the big short where Michael Burry has has a uh, takes a phone call from the guy that helped fashion the credit default swaps for him and because like for the entirety of the movie after Michael Burry had had constructed these with Goldman Sachs and a whole bunch of other banks and then bought a shitload ton of them it didn't make sense that their prices were not actually fluctuating at all even though record mortgage defaults were occurring so finally in the one of the final scenes of the movie when he finally gets to liquidate his CD his uh, uh, credit default swap position uh, he's on the phone with the guy who helped uh, build the first one at Goldman Sachs and the guy said okay well we're ready to talk about this shit and the, we think that we've got a fair uh, we've remarked the price and we think it's fair and Michael Burry just stops in mid-sentences and says I think what's going on is that you guys have been artificially jacking with the price so that you could find your own position and now you have that position so now you can be truthful with me and the guy on the other end of the phone says I don't really know what you want me to say at this point. And Michael ends the call by saying, I think you've said enough already. That's manipulation. That's what it looks like. That's what we're going through. $38,953.98 is the price of one Bitcoin. And 1.436 million of those have changed hands in the last 24 hours. That's about 60,000 BTC every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 5.9 BTC and a median transaction value that is low today, 0.012 BTC or 473 bucks. Block times are hideously low. Why? Because it looks like we've hit yet another all-time high on hash rate. Eight minutes, 28 seconds, 0.048 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and eight BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And as I alluded to, with a 13.5% uptick in hash rate, we're at 254 exahashes per second. And I'm look, I was looking at BitInfo charts and the hash rate, and it looks like that is indeed a new all-time high. Now, uh, oh, your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin, 13.1 United States pennies. That should tell you what's going on in the rest of the shitcoin market. 10,434 transactions awaiting six blocks to clear. 737 0.3 billion dollars of market cap is just under 6% of gold's market cap and if you so choose you may purchase 20.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one bitcoin of which there are 19,028,429.68 of and 3,702.8 of those are in the lightning network valued at 143.5 million dollars being run over 16,880 nodes sporting 82,716 payment channels or at least channels that we know about 73 percent of all of it is being run over tours associated 11,780 lightning nodes or at least the nodes that we can see on the tour network that's going to do it for vitals into part two of the news that you can use another Deutsche Bank raid another whistleblower dead now this was back on April the 29th but if you didn't hear I did tell you about I or at least I, I'm pretty sure that I told you about this uh, Deutsche Bank whistleblower that was found dead in the high school which is just bizarre 
I, it, there's almost no, there's almost no information about that. How the hell do you end up dead in the high school or even on high school grounds? I and mean, what the hell are you doing by a high school in either event? Now there's been a raid on Deutsche Bank. And I mean, Deutsche Bank, they should, they honestly should just have a back door for the raids. At this point, they've been raided so many times. This is bitcoinnews.com. A raid was carried out by Germany's federal police office, criminal prosecutors, and the country's financial watchdog targeting Deutsche Bank headquarters in Frankfurt this morning. The raid came only four days after the discovery of Valentin Brokesmith's body at Woodrow Wilson High School in El Sereno, which is near Los Angeles, California. Okay, the, the raid goes down in Germany, in Frankfurt. The body of the whistleblower is found on the west coast of the United States. Somebody please tell me that you no longer believe that this is, that all this kind of crap is just coincidence. You know, all, all the heart attacks of, you know, really young, healthy athletes. Oh, I don't know, all the food distribution and packing centers just immediately, you know, apparently just wanting to catch on fire and burn themselves right to the ground when we're in the middle of supply chain issues anyway, after we're coming off of this, the bullshit scam plan pandemic. Okay. Yeah. It, please stop believing that it's a, just a mere coincidence, please. For the love of God, somebody figure out that it's going to be okay for you to form an opinion about the fact that this is well and truly fucked. Now, William Brokesmith, Val's father, hung himself in his London home on January the 26th back in 2014. Let me say that again. William Brokesmith, Val's father, hung himself in his London home on January 26, 2014. The father was an executive and risk analyst for, guess what, Deutsche Bank. A collection of sensitive documents left by his father gives a peek into the internal working of Deutsche Bank. According to a New York Times feature of Val Brokesmith by David Enick or Enric on October the 1st, 2019, Val Brokesmith provides the FBI the papers. Enric outlines what was going on at the time. Quote, federal and state authorities were swarming around Deutsche Bank. Some of the scrutiny centered on the lender's two-decade relationship with President Trump and his family, but other areas of focus grew out of Deutsche Bank's long history of criminal misconduct, manipulating markets, evading taxes, bribing foreign officials, violating international sanctions, defrauding customers, and laundering money for, guess what, Russian oligarchs. That's right. In May of 2019, New York Times article, uh, or in that article, David Einrich describes how Deutsche Bank whistleblower Tammy McFadden and co-workers were given no access to bank accounts linked to Donald Trump and his son-in-law advisor, Jared Kushner. Reports of this nature's appropriate destination is with FinCEN. The reason of death for the Val Brokesmith, or for Val Brokesmith is still unknown, but Brokesmith's father's death was ruled a suicide. The two are not alone. Collegero Gambino, oh for fuck's sake, 41, hung himself from a stairwell banister at his Manhattan home found by his wife on October the 24th in 2014. Gambino, Gambino crime family, doesn't even, Gambino, Gambino, but he was, this guy was actually a Deutsche Bank lawyer. 
who had been collaborating with U.S. officials on the bank's participation in the manipulation of the LIBOR interest rate benchmark. This is not the first time Deutsche Bank's offices have been searched. As previously reported, 170 law enforcement officers stormed Deutsche Bank's headquarters in Germany back in November 29th of 2018. At the time, prosecutors stated, quote, Deutsche Bank helped customers found offshore organizations in tax havens by transferring illegally acquired money without alerting authorities to suspected money laundering. On September the 24th, 2019, German authorities raided the offices of Deutsche Bank for the second time in less than a year. Deutsche Bank is a significant derivatives counterparty to the Wall Street megabanks. Throughout 2019 and in the days before its trading subsidiary, Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated began serendipitously tapping trillions of dollars in cumulative loans from the Fed's repo loan rescue facility. The bank was having major trouble. In April of 2019, the Deutsche Bank and Commerce Bank in merger did not go through. Deutsche sought to terminate 18,000 employees in July of 2019 and form a good bank, bad bank, to separate hazardous assets. What does that sound like? Does that ring any bells? Yeah, it should, because in 2008, that's exactly what Lehman Brothers wanted to do. That's what, and I think it was Bear Stearns as well, is that they were going to start taking out all their bad shit and literally build a new business out of it and call it something ridiculous like Bad Debt Bank. I, we're just so freaking transparent. It's ugly. So this is, nobody learned their lesson because Deutsche Bank was going to do this in 2019 with the good bank, bad bank relationship to separate its toxic assets. Nobody learned. Why? Because nobody went to jail. An emergency repo lending operation was announced by Deutsche Bank on the Monday after the start of the emergency repo loan operation. According to newly re released Fed data, Deutsche Bank took $1.5 billion in one-day emergency repo loans on September the 17th, 2019. On September the 24th, Deutsche Bank held $7 billion in one-day repo loans. By September 25th, Deutsche Bank had borrowed $9 billion. A three-day loan of $6 billion was carried over to Deutsche Bank on September the 27th. The Fed later revealed Deutsche Bank borrowing $1.39 with a T from the Fed's repo lending program in the fourth quarter of 2019 and another $1.24 trillion in the first quarter of 2020 term adjusted. The Fed will release quarter or second quarter 2020 statistics on June the 30th, 2019, as the Fed now releases quarterly data after a two-year delay. Okay. Deutsche Bank was quietly bailed out by the Fed entities during and after the 2008 financial crisis. From March 11, 2008 to February 1st, 2010, the term securities lending facility lent Deutsche Bank units a total of $354 billion, billion with a B, according to an audit by the Government Accountability Office, or the GAO from the United States. Okay, this is not a coincidence. It is very clear that there is seriously shady shit going on at Deutsche Bank, and if you think it's just in Deutsche Bank, you're, you're wrong. This is on all banks. This is a situation that is untenable. You know, I remember after 2008, all of a sudden, there was a lot, there was a lot of suicides. 
And there was a lot of suicides that were completely unexplained as being suicides because when you actually looked at the data, there's no way that the guy could have died the way that the guy died if it had been a suicide. And there's just multiple issues that. And like I said, nobody said shit about Val broke Smith's body. Was it shot? Did it have a heart attack? Was it thrown off a goddamn building? Was it hung from a tree? Was it trampled by students getting out on a weekend? I, I, nobody knows because nobody's saying anything. Why? Because it is not in corporate, the corporate world's best interest for any of this information to leak out. And because all media platforms are owned by those same entities, guess who's not saying shit about it? That's why you don't hear anything about it. Deal with these people on a trustworthy basis at your own peril. Just saying. And now, Bit Refill to launch service letting U.S. users pay bills with crypto. Andrew Asmakov writing it for Decrypt.co. Swedish startup Bit Refill, best known for its marketplace, letting users spend their crypto on gift cards and mobile top-ups, today announced that it it's pay bill service is now available to users in the United States. Damn, about damn time. Pay bill lets people pay their bills and other payments with the selection of the world's most popular cryptocurrencies. Aside from Bitcoin, those include Shitcoin 1, Shitcoin 2, Shitcoin 3, Shitcoin 4, and Shitcoin 5, which is not a shitcoin. It's actually the, the Tether stablecoin. And I don't classify it as a shitcoin because I'm not sure exactly what stablecoins are yet. However, this article does remind me of what I was trying to tell you about uh, Roger Ver last week. It was Dash. He was he was shilling Dash in that interview when they were having the, or that, when he was having that debate with Trace Mayer about in 2017, right before we had the collapse of the New York agreement. And he was going to go out and start uh, uh, Bitcoin Cash. It was Dash. That's That's what it was. Okay, now, Continuing on, the service works for credit card bills, utilities, auto loans, healthcare, mortgage, and social security payments with integrations through T-Mobile, American Express, State Farm, holy shit, Wells Fargo, United Healthcare, and Liberty Mutual, among others. BitRefill said that its pay bill service would also let users pay property and other taxes and even funeral service payments in crypto. Yikes. Quote, they say there are only two certain things in life, death and taxes, said Sergey Kotlier, CEO of BitRefill. Now you can pay both your tax and funeral costs with crypto. That's not very damn funny, dude. The pay bill service was first launched in El Salvador after the Latin American nation made Bitcoin legal tender last September, as BitRefill claims has been growing at a rate of 200% per year, or no, per month since then, according to BitRefill. For its American launch, BitRefill partnered with Arcus Financial, a regulated payments platform that offers cash-in and cash-out services for billers, retailers, and financial institutions in the United States as well as Mexico. Last November, the New York-based company was acquired by MasterCard, allowing the payments giant to expand its real-time payment services further into Latin American markets. Quote, with BitRefill's bill pay, everyone in the United States will soon have the same opportunity as in El Salvador to live on crypto and leave your bank, added BitRefill's chief. The new service will also be available in BitRefill's iOS and Android apps. However, there's a wait list on a first-come, first-served basis due to some scalability constraints. Well, well, you know, whatever. 
we got better fish to fry. Revisiting the dollar Bitcoin relationship. This is from Bitcoin Magazine Pro and written by Sam Rule. In most recent issues, we've highlighted that over the last few months, Bitcoin's price has been a function of larger macroeconomic conditions of rising yield and credit unwinding, leading to an increased equity market volatility and rising U.S. dollar strength. As of late, the dollar currency index, the DXY, which tracks the relative strength of the United States dollar measured against other key global currencies, is hitting a new 20-year high. Oh my God. As major currencies like the Euro, Japanese Yen, and British Pound continue to weaken. The latest rise comes as the Bank of Japan triples down on their yield curve control efforts, purchasing an unlimited amount of 10-year bonds every business day to cap yields at 0.25%. So what does a rising DXY mean for Bitcoin and other assets? Even with the dollar devaluating against or devaluing against real goods, services, and financial assets, all debtors are forced to sell USD denominated assets to cover liabilities during deleveraging events. Today, we also get the latest US Q1 2022 gross domestic product data showing that the economy contracted by 1.4% compared to 1.1% expansion consensus, the growth deterioration across major global economies that will usher in a market regime shift to a more deflationary environment later this year has been a key assumption in our base case to expect more downside for risk assets in 2022. If we're to see broader market expectations for growth cut further this year, then that change is likely more downside for more risk assets. In our view, the worst is yet to play out for markets in Bitcoin. That said, the type of credit unwinding and deleveraging we're facing today is one of the key reasons that we expect the case for Bitcoin to grow in the market as these events unfold. So the real question here, ladies and gentlemen, is the coupling between the legacy financial markets and the price of Bitcoin. If it wasn't for those five United States-based futures ETFs that gamble on the price of Bitcoin, I wouldn't be concerned. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not, I'm concerned in the short term, but I'm, I'm just not in the long term. If Bitcoin follows the market, then this deleveraging event is going to make people that are Bitcoiners cry. It just is, but it's going to make shitcoiners hurt a lot worse. Now, if they're not correlated and they don't continue to be correlated as they kind of shown in the, over the past year, well, then Bitcoin may actually be a beneficiary of the deleveraging because honestly, where are you going to go to cash? Are you serious in this environment? But there's nothing else to buy. Art is losing its steam. Real estate is precarious at best, at best, and a bloodbath waiting to happen at worst. And that's going to make 2008, honestly, it's probably going to make 2008 look like a practice run. Something's coming and it's not going to be good. And combined with all of the people dropping dead of heart attacks for some unknown reason, and also the same some unknown reason setting fire to all the food production and railroads saying that they're just not going to ship fertilizer. And it's all coming together at a head. And yet the dollar prevails. The dollar is the least shittiest of all the shit coins in the world. 
I'll say that. I, I can say that. Now, Elon Musk has something to say about Warren Buffett. <clears throat> Elon Musk weighs in after Warren Buffett says he wouldn't pay $25 for every single Bitcoin. And he's not talking about on a per Bitcoin price. Uh, Andrew Asmikov has it for Decrypt.co. Warren Buffett has again criticized Bitcoin, making the case that it has no intrinsic value. Quote, whether Bitcoin goes up or down in the next year or five or 10 years, I don't know. But the one thing I'm pretty sure of is that it doesn't produce anything. Yeah, like you do, Warren. Like you've actually invented fucking anything. The billionaire investor who has previously called Bitcoin a delusion and rat poison squared added that nothing can make him buy any crypto at any price. Quote, if you told me you own all of the Bitcoin in the world and you offered it to me for $25, I wouldn't take it because what would I do with it? I'd have to sell it back to you one way or another. <clears throat> it isn't going to do anything, Buffett said at a Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholder meeting on Saturday. Well, it's good to know that Warren is taking time out of his busy annual shareholder meeting to talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, it clearly doesn't phase him one bit. He's not scared of it at all by taking time out of his one time a year annual shareholder meeting to talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch what they do, not what they say. Mark Andreessen of Andreessen Horowitz tweeted out the clip adding, it's so wild that he says this stuff while nakedly shilling diabetes. Tesla and SpaceX Elon uh, chief Elon Musk responded, ha ha, he says Bitcoin so many times, end quote. The leading cryptocurrency appears to have responded positively among, amid the news and is trading at about $38,900 on Monday morning, up 2.3% over the past 24 hours per coin market cap. Uh, founded in 1839, Berkshire Hathaway is an American multinational conglomerate holding company with over $330 billion in assets under management. The firm's top holdings include Apple, Bank of America, American Express, and Coca-Cola. That's where the whole sh naked shilling of diabetes comes in. Last year, Berkshire also purchased $1 billion worth of Activision Blizzard stock and recently increased its position in the video game giant to about 9.5% of its shares. For Buffett, assets to have to have value. Oh, sorry, assets have to have value, which means they have to deliver something to somebody. Quote, the apartments are going to produce rent and the farms are going to produce food and there's only one currency that's accepted, said the Berkshire Hathaway chief. Buffett stressed that people might create all kinds of things, even a hypothetical Berkshire coin, but in the end, that's what money is, he said, displaying a $20 bill. Oh, the old Warren. Meanwhile, Buffett's business partner, that freaking ghoul, Charlie Munger, added more harsh words for Bitcoin on Saturday. Quote, in my life, I try and avoid things that are stupid and evil and make me look bad in comparison to somebody else. And Bitcoin does all three. Munger said, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> Explaining his stance, Munger said Bitcoin is stupid because it's still likely to go to zero and evil because it undermines the Federal Reserve System. Ooh, and third, it makes us look foolish compared to the communist leader in China. He was smart enough to ban Bitcoin in China, concluded Munger. Oh my, these people just unzipping their fly. Hardcore. Undermine the Federal Reserve System. The Federal Reserve System has been undermining the great guts and feathers of the American public since 1913, but not you guys. So what does that tell me about your relationship with them? 
Could it possibly be that you have an incestuous relationship with the Federal Reserve that makes you billionaires at the expense of everybody else's time and, you know, life on this earth? Is that possible? Yeah, I think it is. And I think that's exactly what's been going on for far too long. Both of these people just need to go six foot under, honestly. Uh, now, lastly, to follow up, we've got Wikipedia has stopped accepting, has stopped accepting Bitcoin, shitcoin one, and shitcoin two donations after eight years. So have fun staying poor, Wikipedia, because it's honestly not like you were getting that many donations in the first place. I'm honestly very surprised that you can keep your doors open at this point. So now they've cut off yet another avenue for being able to carry on their nefarious deeds. And let's see, is there anything else? Uh, oh yeah, Russia's trade partner, Russia's new trade partner is guess who? The Central African Republic. Let's go ahead and do this one. Uh, this is uh, bitcoinnews.com. And it is written by, oh, oh Terry, Ty, no, Tyler Terry, not Terry Tyler. Central African Republic's new trade partner is Russia. In 2013, the United Security Council placed an arms embargo on the Central African Republic. Russia was given an exemption in December of 2017 and security personnel have been in the country ever since. Russia is interested in natural resources of the Central African Republic. Well, of course they are. Of course they are. And they're not going to be nice about getting it. CAR adopts Bitcoin. That's Central African Republic is CAR. Adopts Bitcoin as legal tender. And according to a press release, Bitcoin adoption is an effort to offer prosperity to CAR citizens. This is an ironic statement given the geopolitical turmoil that has ranged in the region for decades. And taking a step back, how does Bitcoin help CAR? It is one of the poorest countries in the world based on GDP. And here we go with Russia, new trading partner with Central African Republic. I guarantee you Russia, if, if Russia is, okay, Russia is probably not the next domino to fall. We probably won't find out about Russian Bitcoin holdings for a long time. If I'm wrong about that, good. I hope it's sooner than later, but nah, I'm thinking that we won't find out. But when we do, that's going to blow people's freaking minds just off their, off their, right out of their skulls. And it's going to be a thing of beauty, but that's a really, that's starting to get to be a really close relationship between Russia and the Central African Republic and the Central African Republic just made Bitcoin legal tender and the official currency or, or an official currency. So that relationship is going to be something to watch the continent of Africa. Okay, I watch Africa and Latin America, and I've, and I've said it several times before, so I won't, I won't regale you with that. But Africa and, and Latin America in general are the, my two main watch points. I look at Latin America for straight up Bitcoin adoption. I look at the continent of Africa for two things, straight up Bitcoin adoption and the fact that it has a shit ton of natural resources that China wants. Russia wants, the United States wants, everybody wants. So looking at Central or, or the continent of Africa, it's gonna be weird over the next decade or two decades as to what, go, like you know how that we've been embroiled in the Middle East forever and ever and ever because of oil? Ever since the fucking 70s, we've had something to do with the Middle East. I predict that over the next 20 years, that's going to shift from the Middle East 
to all the countries in Africa. You watch, it'll happen. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. It takes guts to be an organ donor. Starting our Monday out right with some really bad humor from Dad says jokes. That's at Dad says jokes on Twitter. If you want to go uh, check it out, it's the it's hilarious. And one thing that I, I need to make sure that everybody understands about dad jokes: they are not meant to be funny. If you keep thinking that dad jokes are supposed to be funny, they're not. They're supposed to make you cringe. That's the whole point of a dad joke. So instead of laughing the hardest, being the joke that wins, the one that makes you cringe the most for the longest, that's the one that makes you win. Anyway, so uh, y'all have a great week. Uh, Watch out for all the bullshit that's going on. Keep your ear to the ground as to what's going on with Central African Republic and this shit about Deutsche Bank. Um, That's not going to end. See, if anybody knows anything about this Val Brokesmith guy, how did he die? When was he found? Exactly where was he? Was he inside the school? Was he on the school grounds? If anybody knows anything about this death, of this whistleblower out of Deutsche Bank causing, maybe he caused it, maybe he didn't, but four days later, Deutsche Bank gets raided. Somebody please let me know. DM me. I am at Ghost of Nunya, all one word on Twitter. That is at Ghost of Nunya, all one word on Twitter. I have trying to get my BENND77, my original Twitter account, back out of uh, Twitter jail that it's been in since January the 1st, but I have had no word back from Twitter at all of my, uh, from my latest foray into that. So maybe one of these days I'll get it back. Who knows? I just miss having my 6,500 followers because there was just something, it was a completely different feel about that Twitter profile and the people that, the, the, the people, the people that you follow and the people that follow you and interact with you, like makes it an entire ecosystem. My new Twitter account, the Ghost of Nunya account, is has a completely different feel. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Anyway, uh, so DM me with any information that you have on this whole Val uh, Broke Smith guy, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.